Welcome to another episode of the Two Bros Podcast. We are Two Bros. This is the Two Bros Podcast. Welcome, welcome. I am joined as always by Big Brother. Hello, sir. Welcome back. Hello, sir. And how are you doing? I'm good. Now, again, in this episode, we're going to discuss the previous game week, all the action from the Champions League, some very interesting results. And uh, we're going to talk about the next game week, which is game week number 10, if I'm not wrong. Man, it's been 10 uh, weeks already. I can't really pinpoint where time has flown past well it seems like uh, 10 quick weeks on another hand it feels like half the season should have gone by by now yeah so anyway let's get right into it uh, let's go all the way back to game week number nine now the opening fixture was uh, Chelsea versus Newcastle now they uh, I would say they were it was a very uh, convincing kind of a performance I mean if it wasn't for uh, Timo Werner missing a few chances I think Chelsea could have had three four five goals in that game that's correct I think Chelsea bossed possession uh, they comfortably kept the ball and it could have been uh, any score like there were a couple of incidents in the game uh, you know uh, Max Alan Maximum's uh, shot comes to mind but on the whole I think Chelsea recovered very well from their uh, midweek uh, you know international you know exploits mm-hmm. And uh, I was expecting Timo Werner to come in and, you know, uh, have a game to forget the humiliation that Germany suffered. Uh, he missed a few chances, uh, understandable, but otherwise he's a player on, uh, in red-hot form. No, Timo Werner, for me, uh, if, you've, if you've watched uh, any of the Chelsea games, he plays a lot deeper than, uh, you know, he's not a central striker, to be honest. In most cases, he's even, uh, you know, creating the play for the likes of uh, maybe Havertz, and uh, Ziyech to, you know, latch on to those through balls and maybe uh, do something with them. Werner, for me, plays a little bit deeper. I mean, he has started a lot of games. In fact, a lot of, almost all games for Chelsea now. But uh, because of his role that uh, Frank, Frank Lampard has deployed him in, he's still a miss from my uh, fantasy Premier League team. Do you do you concur with this uh, sentiment? Well, I haven't picked him, uh, to be honest. Uh, early on, I picked him and uh, then I figured it would take him a couple of weeks to get going. Mm-hmm. And just when he got going was when I dropped him. Right. And uh, then the international breaks came in and, you know, for a guy who's going to play 19 minutes for a top team like Germany, you don't want to pick him immediately coming back. So, I'd say that I'd pick him when he has a you know run of games uh, in the side. This time around, it was the early kickoff straight after the international break, uh, which is why I didn't pick him. But uh, going forward, maybe I will. Now, this game week, we see they are up against Tottenham. Mm-hmm. So, once again, you know, one of those games that maybe you're better off without. All right. Uh, okay, now moving on to the the fixture of the game week, so to speak, was uh, the return of uh, Mourinho versus Pep. Uh, this time in the form of Spurs versus uh, Man City. And what a masterclass delivered from uh, Jose Mourinho. I mean, he completely, completely owned uh, Man City. You know, Man City have been found out on a couple of occasions now. Uh, FA Cup semi-final uh, earlier this season as well. Teams have sort of figured them out. You know, you keep De Bruyne out of your penalty box. You limit the attacks from the wings. And you've pretty much handled City and you break on the counter and you score on the counter. I mean, uh, once again, Yung Ming Son, what a player. What a player. I think he's got to go down as one of the most underrated players of the last decade. This guy is worth his weight in gold to this Tottenham team. Now, 
I'm going to throw a question at you. I mean, this is obviously, uh, you know, it depends on how you look at it. Is so is Yunmin Son the best uh, Asian footballer ever? Well, I would say in terms of impact and memorability, uh, it's incredibly close between him and Park Ji-sun. Mm-hmm. Or should I say Ji-sun Park? <laughs> yeah. As the United fans would remember him. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, that guy also, what an impact. But Human Song, you know, he's a starter. He's the South Korean captain. He's performed at this level for, what, almost four years now, five years. Mm-hmm. He's had a double-digit goals plus assist season every season for the last three. And that's what he won from the midfielder. And, you know, he really loves the club. There have been no rumours, nothing surrounding him. He's a player who could walk into pretty much any top six side in the Premier League today. And he's a very focused individual. I mean, he's got those antics of when he dives around a little bit. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, he's not a very dirty player as well. So he's really a very likable chap, you know, in a, in a Tottenham team that not many like. I think it's, uh, I mean, there's a new breed of players, so to speak, who are coming out. Uh, a player who is uh, who can uh, take up, play, let's say, any position, play on the left, play on the right, play through the middle, and uh, similar to Hyunmin uh, Son is, uh, I, I would say, Marcus Rashford in that approach, the way that he can be deployed anywhere and he's going to be lethal. So, so full marks for Hyunmin Son. Well, let me ask you another question. Now, I, this is something I noticed uh, while I was watching football uh, last game week, and I want your uh, take on this. Now, we've seen a lot of uh, African footballers break into, you know, the big scale, uh, the Premier League, uh, Bundesliga, wherever. I mean, the, the, the likes of uh, Aubameyang, uh, Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, uh, uh, Ziyech. Ziyech is Moroccan, right? Even, uh, even yes. uh, Mares. Now, why is it that Asian footballers are not right quite up there compared to, let's say, the likes of African footballers? What's your take on this? I think the answer to this is in the scouting network of clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the French... So, if you look at feeder leagues, you know, the French league is a big feeder league for African footballers. Mm-hmm. And the French uh, the French clubs have their scouting network very well settled and sorted for the African uh, continent. Uh, Asian continent, I'm not sure if the leagues have taken the next step. You know, uh, there has been big money that has come into China, Japan, maybe the Middle Eastern leagues. But players are still sort of going there as retirement paradises more than, you know, in their prime. So, I I don't think the leagues have taken the next step. Whereas, if you look at um, the African uh, players, they make the transition to French under-17 football very early, under-17, under-19. And then you've got guys who break into the French under-21, under-23 teams, or maybe even the under-21 and under-23 setups of their clubs. And once you're in the continent, I think then it's a relatively short hop across the channel to England. Uh, that I think is the big, big difference. I see. Is uh, okay. Uh, some very good points. That I thought maybe uh, let's say genetics have a role to play. Maybe uh, Asians are not that fast, and they're not that uh, you know in terms of stamina. Maybe they are not quite up there compared to their African counterparts. Uh, remains to be seen. I mean, there's obviously uh, a need for a more comprehensive study here. We can only uh, speculate at this point. Now, sticking with Spurs, bro. Now, Spurs find themselves at the top of the table. Followed by Liverpool, who have uh, sim- similar on points. Chelsea in third, and now Leicester on fourth. Now Spurs on top with with having having played nine games. I mean, uh, Jose Mourinho, if it wasn't for that 
unfortunate draw against I think it was Newcastle where it was a last minute VAR penalty and uh, the one game that they lost I can't remember who it was but if it wasn't for those two they would have been uh, let's say four maybe five points ahead well I think they lost an early game at Chelsea oh yeah that's wrong yeah and uh, you know let's talk about the big calls we made ahead of this game week now this is a call we made and uh, it's come pretty true Tottenham have gotten the better of Man City tactically on the pitch off the pitch i think they got everything right they pretty much owned city it didn't look like city were going to win even though they had the ball and they had those shots on target and off target etc it never looked like they're going to pose a threat that was a, that's what must be worrying guardiola now coming to the call we got wrong is the liverpool and leicester game mm-hmm. and this oh, yeah. is one game where i think i went out on a limb and said this will probably be the first win at Anfield in over a couple of years for a visiting side but uh, boy oh boy was around and Liverpool are uh, just putting their injury worries behind them as if uh, they didn't happen yeah i mean i was listening to a podcast earlier and this really shows uh, the character of Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp as a manager that uh, despite having uh, you know missing a lot of the main uh, playing 11 he just instilled that winning mentality in the reserves as well and with a makeshift uh, team and a makeshift defense they made less to pay and then some i mean three goals it's a, it's a really impressive result for liverpool as much as i hate to say it but uh, yeah liverpool uh, really showing what they made of and starting their stuff in the premier league what an inspired signing this guy is turning out to be right yeah 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 diego jota what a guy what a guy anyway let's stick with some fixtures which uh, came on sunday now united playing against west brom now speaking as a united manager having seen the west brom game and the game against uh, besiktas here in the champions league now two different manchester united turned up in the span of i don't know 3 or 4 days 2 or 3 days maybe and i i i don't know i don't know what to call i mean it's it's like you never know what's what's going to happen and suddenly the way man united started against besiktas here the the passing the fluidity you know and they had a new front three with cavani as a target man with marcus on the right and marcial on the left now marcial didn't really do much and didn't really have a big impact in the game but that front three powered by the likes of bruno fernandes playing right behind reinforced with van der beek and fred they looked like they were uh, you know out for demolition but against west brom it had to be a very you know strange uh, penalty which was awarded and it was uh, we relied again on that man bruno fernandes and his penalty uh, uh, you know skills so to speak to give us a three points very very weird uh, times to be a united fan right now well uh, i would just chalk it up to a good week because if you're an arsenal fan there aren't too many <laughs> good weeks to go around uh-huh. um the west brom game I would say the quality of the opposition is the answer. You know, in the Premier League, there are no easy games. Mm-hmm. West Brom turned up already; they are under pressure because they are in the bottom three. So yes, they turned up, and uh, United seemed to be tentative at home mm-hmm. when playing in the Premier League. Uh, against Champions League, you know, the shackles are off; they can enjoy their football a bit more. And uh, let's face it, Basak Sahir aren't at the same level as the Premier League, and uh, they played better now. As a United fan, I reckon you should be happy or through in the Champions League or almost through there and doing, you know, bouncing back in the Premier League. I would take that. Yep, yep, yep. Now, what I what I 
what i call for is if a, is a more consistent kind of a performance because we've seen in the past the same united squad uh, how they are capable of playing and you know when they deliver these disappointing performances where they scrape uh, scrape by 1-0 or they lose 6-1 to spurs you know that's where it hurts and that's where you're wondering yeah you know you know that the team is capable of delivering these performances but they just don't turn up on that day and you don't know what it is if it's a player the manager the board you just don't know where to where to point your finger at this point but uh, yeah i mean i'm i'm not complaining two wins at old trafford in three days i'm i'm a happy guy uh, another team which is going to be happy is everton who are back to a winning ways again with the return of richarlison of richarlison again we've talked about him a lot the minute he's back it's like a different everton uh, turned up to play against uh, fulham at craven cottage you know this one's a miss at my end i should have picked either richarlison or dominic calvert lewin mm-hmm. these are guys that i've not picked and i don't know why because dcl he's netted the most points at this point of time uh probably only next to uh son and kane so uh, this guy is a must have right now in your team and even with the price appreciation he's still at a 7.8 or a 7.9 easy pickings yeah. and i think this week i'm going to finally get rid of himenes mm-hmm. who's flattered to deceive and uh, i think wolves have really struggled without jota in their uh, team and i'm going to pick dominic calvert-lewin and plug that gap in my team yep i mean i've i've had him for a very long time i mean I got rid of him in the first maybe the second game week and then I've had it ever had him ever since you know I think he's going to be one of those people I keep in my team uh, throughout the season I mean touch wood I mean minus barring any injuries or drop in form he should uh, deliver the goods now bro personally I would think the game of the week was Leeds versus Arsenal what an exciting match that was to watch I mean fine it ended nil nil but arsenal hanging on with uh, 10 men and leeds basically throwing the kitchen sink at them you know hitting the bar four times in in, in both the halves uh, madness just madness and it was i would say leeds were uh, you know probably unlucky to you know not come back with uh, more than a point now the question i want to throw at you first before you get into the game is is there a a problem a discipline problem at arsenal you know we heard about the bust up between sabayos and david luiz right Then we have uh, Nicolas Pepe headbutting a guy against uh, Leeds. I mean, fine, probably he had it coming. Alioski, I think he was who stamped him a bit. And then towards the end of the game, you had Tierney getting in uh, other people's faces as well. Now, what's going on at Arsenal? Can can you give, shed some light on that? What is what do you make of this? Well, I can't make head or tail of the squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play like rubbish on the pitch, and then they make it up for it by headbutting people. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, I don't think it is called for when you're a professional. Uh, people can call you names and you know do whatever, and you gotta let the game sort that out. You gotta let the referees sort that out. And in football, you know, if you're being tripped over or stamped upon, you can also pretty much. you know flirt with the law there mm-hmm. what you can't do is raise your hands or headbutt people which pepe did it was already a game where we were struggling and then to go 10 men down now after we went 10 men down uh, there was no chance really to win the game except when saka went through and then was denied by their keeper mm-hmm. uh, this whole game was a painful experience being an arsenal fan is a painful experience <laughs> but this game especially so was yeah. doubly painful because you see the talent you see the names on the sheet and you think you know that you'll see better football but 
you know, you're relying on a diet that just joined your team three weeks ago to bring the spark. And without Pate, we were back to the same old, you know, really, really rubbish Arsenal. Uh, Danny Sabayas is a downgrade on Mesutozu. Okay. I've said it. And he is not fit enough to be in the starting 11 of a top four chasing side. He is a sideways passer and he is the worst manifestation of the problems that have faced Arsenal and to some extent faced Man United before you guys signed Bruno Fernandes. Mm-hmm. Guys who look good on the ball, seem all energetic and you know run around etc. But don't play a single incisive pass in 90 minutes do not deserve to be starting for the teams. They should be limited to tactical roles, possession roles when you're playing away from home or, you know, something to that effect. But to start them when you're expecting creative spark, where's that going to come from? I would rather we play our 19 or 20-year-olds. I would rather we play Emil smith Row. Mm-hmm. You know, I would rather we do something else with our shape. I mean, with Elneny gone... With Shaka coming into the squad, this was, you know, the, the worst uh, Arsenal team all year. Mm-hmm. And against Leeds, barring that Saka chance, I don't remember anything that was created. Aubameyang is uh, isolated. Uh, you know, uh, he played through the centre, but I mean, without service, what can he do? What can he do? And Lacazette's not fit enough to be the leading striker of a top four chasing squad. So, there are multiple problems with Arsenal, you know. And signing Thomas Partey has papered over some of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, defensively, we are solid. In Tierney and Bellerin, we have reasonably good fullbacks. I would say the fullbacks are top four material. Centre-backs, not so much. But with Gabriel growing in stature and, you know, maybe Saliba coming in as his long-term partner, I think we've got the defence sorted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leno is a decent keeper. So, we've got the spine at least sorted. There are huge problems in the midfield. I mean, party will uh, be your defensive screen and, you know, your box-to-box. Where's the creative spark going to come from? Right now, you're expecting a 19-year-old uh, to be a creative outlet. And when he doesn't play, or worse still, when he's roughed up, your team is out of sorts. And, you know, having you know criticised Arsenal all that much, I want to criticize the officiating in this uh, game as well. Mm-hmm. There were so many challenges wherein uh, Leeds players went in with their studs up into the shins. They nipped at uh, ankles. There were a lot of tackles that weren't exactly 50-50 where they went in heavily. And there was next to no penalty to Leeds. And, you know, the VAR system is fine. You know, if you're punishing intent, you can punish intent. But we all know that that headbutt wouldn't have even hurt a fly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what really are we officiating and using VR from? Okay, if you want to punish intent, then anybody who dives henceforth should be red-carded. Because you're punishing intent, right? No, I'm but with no, you there. you're punishing outcome. I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, there have been cases where uh, there has been contact in the penalty area. But it's not enough to actually make a guy go flying with legs up. You know, legs flying in the air and arms flailing. Like the way, uh, let's say, Mohamed Salah, the way he dives. You know, there's minimal contact and he throws his arms around like it's the end of the world. Now, if a person has genuinely tripped and fallen down, I'm all for it. But if there's a minimal contact and a player goes down, for me, uh, I don't think that's a penalty. And that's where football really needs to, you know, focus and maybe uh, change the rules a bit. But then how do you you measure that? Speaking of penalties, I think there was a clear... 
penalty incident in the second half wherein uh, the ball struck the outstretched hand of one mm. of the Leeds defenders and even that wasn't referred leave yeah. alone given so we see incidents like those being given as penalties and then we see you know no consistency in other matches so that is you know an axe to grind uh, for me but uh, with all of that arsenal didn't deserve anything from this game the fact that they escaped with a draw is i think lucky not so much down to the discipline or solidity it's just plain luck yep now i mean credit uh, where credit is due like a lot of uh, managers and former players came to applaud the efforts of the team in fact despite going 10 men down uh, the players put in a shift and uh, you know they held on to a nil nil draw i mean that was uh, quite something because leeds were really you know up for it uh what i guess uh, yeah i completely agree with your points uh, that you mentioned now let's do a quick round up of the uh, champions league fixtures now by the looks of it it's pretty much business as usual in the champions league i mean i'm i'm looking at the results here man city winners dortmund winners uh, barcelona winners juventus winners united winners psg beat leipzig now, that was a very interesting result i think that group is shaping up very nicely where it's still uh, quite uh, you know wide open uh Apart from that, uh, Bayern Munich winners uh, against Salzburg and uh, Real Madrid beating Inter Milan 2-0. Real Madrid finally getting their act together and uh, putting some points on the board. But Inter in a precarious uh, position now with two points from four games. I mean, who who would have uh, thought that? And I would say the surprise uh, result of uh, the the Champions League match day, which was I mean we were talking about the first away side to beat Liverpool at Anfield, and voila, there you go, it's Atlanta. Who have come and uh, done the deed? Now Liverpool were, I think they were, uh, you know, uh, well, I, by the looks of it, they played pretty much. I mean, obviously a few. It was a makeshift defense, and uh, we got Curtis Jones, who is uh, let's say an, an academy player. But they did play Origi, Mane, and uh, Mohamed Salah with Becker in goal and uh, Vinaldo and Milner in the midfield. But uh, Atlanta putting in a convincing performance and winning, uh, getting three points for his club in the Champions League at Anfield. Now, very interesting that. Yeah, I mean, uh, Champions League with business as usual. I don't see any real threat to any biggies except Inter Milan, which you've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Liverpool, despite the slip-up, I don't see them uh, in any sort of trouble. Uh, they'll go through easily and the other spot will be between Ajax and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chelsea and Sevilla, Dortmund, Lazio, Barcelona and Juventus, the usual suspects have gone through. So, Uh, if there is any other doubt uh, or really question, it's the United group where United have three points, but they are supposed to play PSG and Leipzig next. Yeah. So they will need to get either a draw or a win uh, from one of those two games. Mm-hmm. And uh, PSG at Old Trafford, uh, given all their problems, or Leipzig away, they're not likely to be straightforward. So. uh i don't see too much of a problem for the usual suspects uh, yes uh, liverpool losing to atlanta is a bit of a surprise but atlanta are a very good side and they've been giving a very good account of themselves in the serie over the last two seasons well agreed with you there now let's move on to the game week number 10 uh, it's uh, yet another friday night kickoff with crystal palace and newcastle i mean um, Nothing much to say here, really. I mean, uh, in the grand scheme of things, uh, matches like these don't really uh, matter. I mean, both of these are probably going to end up mid-table, I would say. So, yeah, you know. Moving on, uh, Saturday, we've got Brighton uh, taking on Liverpool. Now, Liverpool, all three points here. Now, how many players of Liverpool have you got in your team, bro, at this point, in your FPL? Uh, a grand total of zero. What? 
Yep, I had Mo Salah and I sold him to get Bruno Fernandes. Okay, all right, bold move there. Okay, all right. Now another favorite, and this was a big talking point in the Fantasy Premier League podcast, which is the official Fantasy Premier League podcast, where uh, Man City have a favorable run of games uh, coming up. I mean, they're playing uh, uh, Burnley in, up next, and hold on, let me just. Fulham. They got Burnley. Fulham. They got Fulham. They got then they got Man United. Okay, cool. So yeah, a lot of these. Uh, pundits so to speak were uh, emphasizing on uh, stocking up on the likes of De Bruyne maybe Sterling is back Phil Foden is a budget option when he's getting a lot of goals I mean he even scored for England and uh, well interesting choices but I still don't have a Man City player at this point even I don't and if I were to point uh, someone in the direction of a Man City player I would recommend Ferran Torres mm-hmm. this guy has been in good form uh, for country and decent form for club uh, he's the kind of guy who, in the current Man City shape, you fancy to get an assist or a goal. And especially them playing against Burnley and Fulham at home, they're, they're probably going to have 70-75% of the possession. And, you know, Burnley and Fulham are going to sit deep and deny yeah. De Bruyne, you know, chances through the middle. So, that's where a winger and a dynamic winger like Torres comes in. And I suspect I'll be picking him for the next couple of game weeks. All right, very interesting. Uh, now, I think the game of uh, Saturday has got to be Everton versus Leeds. Now, two very attack-minded teams and attack-minded managers in uh, Ancelotti and Bielsa. What do you make of this? Who's going to be uh, taking all three points? Everton, mostly because uh, Richarlison is back and Luca Dina is supposed to be back as well. Having said that, Leeds and Everton are both physical teams. Mm-hmm. They are immensely physical. This one's going to be a bruiser. I suspect this one's going to be as much of a bruiser as the Merseyside derby. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. I look forward to that. Uh, one last game on Saturday, which is West Brom versus Sheffield United. I mean, big who cares for that? Now, moving on to Sunday, a very interesting match here, bros. It's Southampton versus Man United. A high-flying Southampton and high-flying Theo Walcott take on, uh, let's say, a questionable, you know, uh, unpredictable, you know, inefficient Man United at the moment. What do you make of this? It's away at uh, what is their stadium called? St. Mary's Park. St. Mary's, of course. Sorry. So, St. Mary's, I think United will relish playing away from home. Old Trafford has been their bogey house uh, all season. Mm -hmm. I think they'll uh, play better away from home. Having said that, Southampton are a very dangerous team. Ward Prowse is having a season to remember. He scored a few worldies already. He scored a beautiful free kick uh, the game we built for the last and Watt Prowse is a guy, you know, you may want to pick because he's the guy who's the default dead ball taker. And surprisingly, Southampton do have a lot of dead ball situations. Now, having said that, Danny Ainge is out until the end of this uh, end of the year. And I don't know if uh, Jay Adams by himself is enough. Now, they did get a draw against the uh, Wolves, which is a good result any day of the week. But I suspect they'll struggle against Man United. Okay, I hope you're right. Now, uh, the game on Sunday is, uh, again, I mean, I, it's been, this is game week number 10 and I can't remember a game week where we've not had, you know, maybe a top six team playing another top six team, you know. It's been such a, you know, interesting, tight, gritty kind of a lineup. It's Chelsea versus Spurs and Jose Mourinho takes on his old club. Now, historically, he's not done well against uh, Frank Lampard. In fact, I think he's lost his last uh, two meetings against Frank Lampard. You think he's now got the, the, the goods to take on Chelsea at Stamford Bridge? 100%. Oh, okay. 
And I suspect that these two game weeks will shape up how uh, Tottenham's season goes. Uh, it can dwindle into a race for the top four, or if they can get the better of Chelsea and then Arsenal in the next week, it can turn into a genuine title tilt. And mind you, the likes of Gareth Bale have still not uh, you know featured regularly for the for Spurs. Now that's uh, going to be something interesting. I mean, the only thing that works against Spurs is that they play in the Europa League tonight and then they play again on uh, Sunday night. So that might work against them. I mean, Chelsea obviously played on Tuesday night, so they have uh, a few more days on, on Chelsea. So, I mean, uh, barring that, uh, I have no idea. I mean, this game is going to be really interesting to watch. Another interesting game to watch is going to be Arsenal versus Wolves, brother. Now, these are two teams that have great strike forces but struggle to create chances. Uh-huh. And Wolves uh, is because of uh, them giving away their prized assets in the transfer market mm-hmm. in the shape of Deherty and Jota. Mm-hmm. And for Arsenal, it's the case of not uh, replacing the likes of Santi and Rosicky and Fabregas and you know the likes. So, uh, both these teams are going to struggle for chances. Uh, it's going to be a battle of attrition. Any one moment is going to decide the game. Now, because it's home at Emirates, I suspect I should want Arsenal to win. Mm-hmm. But Jimenez as a target man is uh, way more lethal. You know, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we called out Jamie Wardy and how much he could hurt Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Same is the case here. You know, those isolated balls up to Jimenez, he could hurt Arsenal as well. Having said that, I would back Arsenal for a victory. Okay, fair enough. Now, the last game of the game week is uh, Leicester versus Fulham. Now, another hot tip for our FPL managers is that Leicester have a three-game, uh, let's say, easy run coming up. They play Fulham, then they are uh, away to Sheffield United, then they play Brighton at home again. Now, a lot of people are uh, talking about stocking up on Leicester uh, you know, players. Jamie Wardy is obviously the most uh, talked about and some other very interesting players in the, in the Leicester lineup. Uh, James Madison, you have Castagna, who's kind of dropped off a bit in, in terms of form. Uh, James Justin too, and uh, yeah, who's who's your pick for the for your for your team from this Leicester lineup? Well, I would pick uh, Madison mm-hmm. or uh, somebody like Castagna. I think he'll come back into the fold. But one can't look beyond Jamie Wardy. Mm-hmm. Jamie Wardy, I think for these three games, he's gonna net. He's gonna give you back thirty uh, odd points. So he's a safe pick. All right, very good. Now let's talk about our individual uh, fantasy Premier League uh, teams. Now, what are the changes you're looking for? Who are the where are the target areas where you want to focus and maybe make some changes? Well, like I said, uh, I think I was shy the last week, but this week I will bite the bullet and uh, lose eight or twelve points in transfers. Oh wow! I am looking to bring in Ferran Torres, mm-hmm. and I'm looking to replace uh, Jimenez with Dominic Calvert Lewin. I'll mm-hmm. probably bring in JB Wardy as well. Okay. Uh, probably uh, put him up uh, for Harry Kane. You know, Tottenham have a tough couple of games. Mm-hmm. I'll probably retain Son because Son uh, is, I think, a safer bet compared to Kane to get either an assist or a goal. Uh, so I'll probably swap Kane out for body. So these two, these three are for sure. And if I have the wherewithal, then maybe I'll pick. Uh, you know, another defender to sort of replace Mendy or to replace uh, Dunn from Aston Villa, who's really scored nothing for me so far. So, what is your midfield at the moment? Who are your uh, five uh, midfielders? Well, let me fire up my 
app and I can read them out for you. Uh, so my team right now in the midfield, I've got Fernandez, Rodriguez, Son, and uh, Andrew Townsend. And the fifth one? Um, Mendy. Mendy, the, okay. Mm. The Leicester Mendy, Nampalis Mendy. Right, 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 okay. Now I've uh, gone for some big name signings, brother, this uh, this game week. I'm going to take a minus four hit already. I've made my, my I've already made my changes. One man who's really impressed me a lot is Ben Chilwell for Chelsea. That is a good pick. I remember calling Chilwell out two weeks ago. Yeah. And the other change that I've made is I got rid of uh, Jack Grealish and I brought in Diego Jota, who happens to be my captain for the for this game week. Well done, sir. So you're backing Liverpool away at Brighton. Definitely, definitely. Now, my only concern is now I've got two Liverpool midfielders in Mane and Jota. Now, maybe I might want to get rid of Mane because Mane still operates from the left-hand side and Jota makes those runs, uh, you know, past uh, Firmino and he finds himself in the centre of the area for those headers, those tap-ins. I might get rid of Mane for, and Mane, mind you, is a lot of money. He's all, I think it's uh, it's 12.1 at the moment. Once I get rid of Mane for... Somebody else, maybe uh, De Bruyne starts firing, maybe uh, somebody else starts firing, maybe one of those uh, players. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how my team turns up. So my midfield at the moment is Mane, Bruno Fernandes, Diego Jota, James Rodriguez and uh, Podence from Wolves. Okay, so now that you mentioned your midfield, I think it is worthwhile to point out that James Rodriguez has scored an average of two points every week for the last five weeks. So his early form seems to have tapered off and mm-hmm. people seem to have sort of marked him as a danger man. So maybe Rodriguez is one guy you want to take out of your team. I think he's come back from that injury. He's not been quite himself. I think he was brought back uh, sooner than expected because they were missing Rich Allison. I'm, I still want to give him some time. and I mean, we know the quality and I've seen him play and he's played those uh, those killer passes. I mean, he's just uh, one moment of brilliance away from getting an assist or a goal. I'm I'm quite positive uh, Rodriguez will bounce back. It's uh, any, any day now. I'm going to hold on to him for a while at least. Fair enough. One guy I'll probably get rid of is Roman Saiz. Yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, that's because it. first yeah. up they're playing Arsenal at the Emirates and then they're playing Liverpool at Anfield. So I don't suppose a Wolves defender is, you know, a popular choice to keep. I suspect this is one of those weeks wherein I'll score well but lose a lot of points to transfers. Fair enough, brother. We've uh, basically covered uh, pretty much everything now. Just to uh, talk about some, uh, you know, news, uh, the new developments that have happened. Uh, We woke up this morning to the news of uh, the world losing a great uh, football legend in the terms of in the name of uh, Diego Maradona and obviously we are both 90s kids bro so we don't really we've not seen Maradona play but we've obviously heard of him the likes of Pele and Maradona and George Best now what do you make of uh, I mean obviously when you think of for me when you think of Maradona you think of the the hand of God and that one goal which uh, plays uh, on repeat on YouTube where he cuts through the entire England uh, uh, defense and midfield and then scores a wonderful goal to knocking him out of the World Cup. Diego Maradona, what is, what's he like? What does he mean for you? Um, so, never really had the opportunity to see him play. And uh, when he played in Europe, I think this was before our time. Yeah. Uh, most of Maradona for me has been, uh, you know, him on the coaching sidelines. And essentially a figure that is larger than life. So that way, I I would say that, you know, he was a legend. And uh, 
the world has lost a legend. And if he was spoken of in the same breath as Pele, then clearly he, he was a super legend. It, it is essentially uh, how we talk of uh, Ronaldo and Messi in the years to come. Yeah, very, very fair points there. Uh, obviously, if you've uh, not heard the news, uh, the world has lost uh, Diego Maradona at the age of 60. A great loss to the world and to the footballing community as a whole and to us football fans. Uh, may he rest in peace. Brother, thank you so much for joining us and I think we've uh, covered pretty much everything. And uh, good luck to your team for tonight's game in the Europa League. I think, I believe you're playing Mold, is it? That That is correct. Uh, and if I'm not wrong, that is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's uh, previous team. Yeah, we basically kidnapped him from there. But anyway, good luck to you. Good luck to your team. Good luck to your FPL team. And uh, see you soon on the other side. Take care. Take care.